Hey family, listen, if you're like me, life gets crazy and hectic, and sometimes our body needs a little extra love. For years, I've been using something that has been a game changer for me, as well as recommending it to my clients. I'd like to introduce you to Vital Body. It is packed with 37 fruits and vegetables, 19 herbs and spices, prebiotics, 15 strands of probiotics, 21 different enzymes, and I'm telling you what, you get 100% of your daily dose of 21 vitamins and minerals straight from nature. This product contains no GMOs and it is vegan friendly. And here's the best thing, there are no artificial flavors. <laughs> so if you're ready to kick off your vitality journey and you wanna feel better daily, and if you're like me, you want a little extra sleep, throughout the night, head on over to vitalbody.com backslash Monica. And because you are a member of the Black Women Amplified family, they are graciously giving us an extra 20% off of our order. Just use the code Monica20. Get prepared. I can't wait for you to try it. Head on over to vitalbody.com backslash Monica and start your vitality journey today. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her league of extraordinary women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Hello, everyone. This is your girl, Monica Wisdom, and I am so excited that you're here with us today. Welcome to the Black Women Amplified podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. And if you are a seasoned supporter, thank you for rocking with us. Your support means everything. And you know the routine. Head on over to YouTube, click the subscribe button. On wherever you're listening, click the follow button and make sure you head to the show notes and support our power partners. They help keep the show going. Today, I'm so excited. I have the immense pleasure of introducing to you an entertainment phenom, Icy Parks. With a remarkable career spanning over three decades and nearly 90 projects to her name, Icy carries the legacy of her legendary parents, costume designer Judy Deering and dancer and educator Professor John Parks. Their collective works have played a pivotal role in shaping the very essence of Black theater and dance on Broadway. While you may not be familiar with her name just yet, Today, you are in for a treat as you get to know Icy Parks and her incredible journey. Like many remarkable women, Icy immerses herself in her craft and allows the work to speak for itself. Her Broadway credits include iconic productions such as Fosse, Hairspray, The Color Purple, and The Wiz. It's no wonder that film and television eagerly welcomed her to set. Her journey began with New York Undercover, Oz, 
Taxi, and Broadway Empire. And her brilliance led her to the call of a lifetime. Yes, the call of a lifetime. (laughs) To be the costume supervisor for the highly anticipated film, The Color Purple, produced by none other than Steven Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey. Today, Icy Parks graciously takes us behind the scenes of her incredible career and shares her captivating story in this exclusive interview. It is an absolute honor to introduce and welcome Icy Parks to the Black Women Amplified podcast. Hello, Black Women (laughs) Amplified family. I'm sorry, this offline conversation was hilarious. Listen, Black Women Amplified family, I am so excited about this conversation. It is very special. It's a person that I met 2022 and just a force of nature within herself and her industry and what she brings to the world. Oftentimes, we focus on the stars of a movie, but making a movie is a puzzle of a thousand pieces. And one essential part is the costume and wardrobe department. Costumes help create the characters and they build the fantasy for the watcher. The clothes transport us into the story. And even fashion designers have proclaimed that the movie industry impacted their fashion journey. Today, we have one of the icons in the game. You may not have seen her, but you have seen her work. Today, we have on the legendary Icy Parks. And I tell you, (laughs) this is a special and rare conversation because she is about her work. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Icy Parks costumer, star dresser, and all the things, wardrobe and costume from movies and television and Broadway that you have seen and had no idea who was inspiring you. We have her with you today. Miss Icy Parks, how are you? I'm so well. I'm so happy and happy that you have me on the show. And I feel like this is a special thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is the rarest of the rarest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we are one day post strike. How are you feeling? Mm. Really, really good. I'm really ready to get back to work. I mean, this industry was completely shut down for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, first we had the writers and then SAG. So, I mean, I had jobs that didn't happen, of course. So I am happy to get back to work mm. and be ready. You know, no one really realizes how many people are impacted, were impacted by the strike. I mean, from teamsters to prop people to electricians to how many departments it takes to make a movie or a television show and how many people were not working. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I was just thinking, just the people who clean up the place or provide bread and water didn't have a contract exactly it's like a a movie company is like a universe so every piece of that universe was shut down including your department (laughs) yep (laughs) but i tell you what i am proud because i was around when of the age when technology took over the music industry and it destroyed it And I was so happy to see that your industry said, it's not going to happen to us. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I have to say, 
the fight was a good fight. You know, it was a needed fight. It needed to happen. So in spite of being unhappy about not working, the cause was just. Mm -hmm. And, And to do it not shortly after the shutdown of everybody a couple of years ago, it was still a beautiful thing to see that people were like, we're not taking this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And the question was, can you just be fair? It wasn't a land just asked. It was just, can you be fair? Right. So everybody got the answer that they, they might not have got all the answers they wanted, (laughs) but the strike is over. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Now, what is the recovery going to look like after the 118 days of this strike? You know, I've had this conversation many times, and I honestly, it's the one thing I can't figure out. I don't know how this has impacted the business. I don't know if it's for the best or for the worst. It's a frequent conversation. What are we coming back to? And when you're down for so long, I just don't know. We could be coming back to rushing and, you know, deadlines and working us like horses to get television and movies back up because we're so far behind. It's like before anything can even appear on a network or streaming, it has to be shot first. We have to shoot it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know yet. I don't know. I just don't know if there's going to just be a blast of work a blast of tiring work or rushing. I don't know if we're going to, they're going to try to shoot episodes in less days. You know, it's, I just don't know. It's the one thing I can't put my finger on until I actually get in it. Now, were you working on a job currently when this happened or were you about to start a process? No, the job that I was working on had just went on hiatus. Okay. If we've been going so long, I can't remember the name of the job. <laughs> I was doing, I was doing the Equalizer. Okay, the TV show. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that job just went on hiatus. But then I was up for a movie that was supposed to start, and that didn't start. And then the Equalizer should have have already been back working, so that didn't happen. So yeah, the TV show and the movie didn't happen, and now. We're trying to figure out when all that stuff is going to start again. Because I don't think people understand that when you choose jobs, it's based on a timeline. So you can get multiple jobs in a year, but it depends Mm -hmm. on the timing of when you pop in and when you pop out and how long is this going to shoot. And so you can get a TV show, a movie and a play in in one year. But if the time if the timing of one is off, everything is off for you. Correct. Yep, you got it. So, yeah, and then we still have the holidays. So, you know, film business is shut down for a good, sometimes over two weeks because of the holidays. So it's like the timing is weird of this. Like, yes, we're going to start. The strike is over, but we have Thanksgiving and then Christmas and New Year's. I mean, the business is completely shut down. I don't think it's going to be shut down this year. I think people are tired of their families. <laughs> Let me get to work. <laughs> right? And that may change too. They may not do the regular two weeks. That they, I don't know. We just have to see. Mm. We have to see. Well, you have been in this game since the 90s. You have seen 
much of it. So you've been through the ebbs and flows. Tell us about the road to your first yes. Hmm. The road to my first yes. Well, my mother was a costume designer. Okay. And she did Broadway shows. And I was actually in college, home on a break. And she was talking about she lost her supervisor and this and that. And on the phone with someone, I guess the producers. And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and she was like, what? I said, I'll do it. And so I went on the interview. I got the job. And it was an off-Broadway show. Okay. And so that means that I did everything. I was the, you know, the customer. I did the costume. I did that. And when I tell you, that was one of the hardest jobs for me. I messed up so much, but it was the best way to learn. And I also knew so much more than I thought I knew. So I did that job, and that show, the off-Broadway show, went to Broadway. And they said that they were not going to go without me. So I got into the union on that job. The, the cast petitioned for me because I, they weren't going to hire me because I wasn't union. And they were going to hire someone else. I had to step down and not be the supervisor. I had to be a, a dresser. But they said, some, I have to be on that show. And so I got into the union, thanks to them, thanks to the cast. And that show was Once on this Island. Now, I've never heard of that show. Tell me about that show. It's a Broadway Caribbean show. It's a small musical. It had no intermission. It was like 90 minutes. And actually, it went to Broadway twice because they redid it and brought it to Broadway again. And it's just about this little girl on this island. It's a cute show, musical. And so that was the show. I did that. And then after that, I just started going to different theaters and saying that I was available for work. And before you know it, I was in this business, like really doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is this something that you dreamed of as a little girl or you just walked into it and said yes? It was really weird. I went to school for accounting. I used to assist my mom on jobs, but it was nothing that I never saw myself doing this. And I'm in love with it when I started doing it. And then I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Oh, wow. And I did whatever it took to stay prevalent. Like I used to be a swing for different shows and a swing is when, so we have on Broadway, there's tracks. Every dresser has a track. It may be like 10 tracks, however many. And I used to swing, which means that I had to know everybody's tracks. And so if they called me to come in because somebody was out, I used to have to know what track was what. I even did tracks cold, having never done the show before. Oh, wow. Just based on a book telling me where to go and what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's like walking in and hearing this song. You're like, okay. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And when I look back, I'm like, crazy that I did it, but I did it. (laughs) 
you did it. And you clearly you have a great reputation because your resume is long and strong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was like, okay, two page. Okay. Okay. I'm just scrolling, scrolling. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I think I've seen everything she's done. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. But before we get into that, talk about your mom as a costumer. And how did she get into the industry? And was there anybody else around in your family that did it? Or was she the first? She was the first to do it in that way. My granddad was a tailor and he used to build suits for basketball players. He had a cleaner. He had a chain of cleaners in Harlem. Mm-hmm. So she got that, I would say, from him. But she was the first to do it on her level. And then... I came from an art family because my mother was a costume designer and my dad, he was an Albanelli dancer. Girl. Yeah. So my mother. Okay. For, before you get into my mother, my father, let's speak their name because they are icons in their own right. They really are. Judy Daring and John Parks. My okay. And my mother used to dance with Marion Makiba. Girl. Who is, well, was my godmother and Stokely Carmichael, my godfather. Okay, hold on. I have oh, chills. I, I have chills. <laughs> I mean, because you were speaking the people that I, I love Mary McKeeba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Atapata is one of my favorite songs. And, yeah. you know, I'm from St. Louis, so I know the music, music. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I digress. It's okay. My mother used to dance, and that's how, because People call me Icy, but my real name is Isitude, which got from when my mother was pregnant, dancing with Miriam in Africa. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got my name. And so she met my father through dancing. And she would build the costumes for, you know, the dance groups and all of that. And she just started costuming more than dancing. I mean, she was, she's amazing. She was amazing. She is act. she was the original costume designer for Color Girls. Mm. And Shizaki at first had names for them, but they didn't have a lot of money. And she came up with the idea, why don't I just dye a bunch of dresses of different colors and we could name the actors these colors. And so I got that aspect. And I grew up in theaters, you know, meeting my mother at rehearsal or my dad at Alvin Ailey's or it's just in my blood. And I grew up a lot. There was a place called the Negro Ensemble Company, NEC, which my mother did a lot of theater, a lot of costuming for them. So my whole thing was I would get out of school and it would be, who, who do I go to, my dad or my mother? Do I go to this theater? or to this dance rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> and this, it's in my blood. It's in wow. my blood. And actually, my mom, I remember a funny story when she, because I used to assist her. She was like, oh, now that you're union, you won't do my job anymore. <laughs> you too <laughs> you good for us now. <laughs> and, and you're all busy, and I can't get you to work now. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> like a mommy but I gotta do me <laughs> right <laughs> you had to follow your own yellow brick road and my dad actually he was in the whiz it's funny you said that 
<laughs> my dad was, um, he did The Wiz on Broadway and he was in the movie. What? And he, yeah. And it's funny because me and my dad were just talking about it. We were just talking about me on set playing with Diana Ross's kids and, and meeting Michael Jackson. And it was a great time for me. And actually, my dad was a bigger star than my mom at the time. And then she became a huge star. So it was in my genes. <laughs> it is all up in your DNA, your bloodline. So you are continuing. It's not that you're doing the work. You are continuing the legacy of your parents, which is beautiful. Yeah. And so you are just this unit has made such an impact on the arts. That's incredible. That's absolutely yeah. incredible. How did you get into the film industry? Because you have such a rich background in the theater. Hello, Black Women Amplified family. This is your girl, Monica Wisdom. In honor of season three, I've created an incredible tool just for you. It is a journal, self-discovery workbook, and coloring book all in one. And it is beautiful. It is available on Amazon right now. And it's also the perfect gift for you to share with your friends. Head on over to Amazon or our show notes. Click the link, make your purchase, and let the self-discovery journey begin. One day, well, it's not just one day. I know how it happens. I <laughs> was doing ragtime. I think that was the job would change. And I was pregnant with my son. And I knew that Broadway is eight shows a week. You work every time people are off, holidays and all of that. And I needed to do something else. And to be perfectly honest, I also was, I just, I was, I was, it was time for me to do something different. I was over being in the dark theater seven days a week. And I just started putting out that I wanted to do film. And it's funny, I always tell people, when you want to do something, you have to put that out into the universe and speak about it. Because I went to a party and a person just asked me, what is it that you aspire to do? And I said, I'm on Broadway now, but I really would love to get into film. And it's so crazy. I did not know that I was talking to someone whose boyfriend was a wardrobe supervisor for film. And I had no idea. And he called me in, Tom Stokes called me in, and this job was Oz. Girl. <laughs> you know, the prison HBO show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I was actually dressing Ben Vereen at the time on Fosse when the job happened. And I would get up at like whatever crack at four o'clock or whatever in the morning. And I, Tom said that he was willing to train me. You know, I told him that I never did film before. He said, well, well, we'll train you. And I did tell them that I had this Broadway job. So I would get up in the morning, shoot Oz, and then run to the theater and dress in Verena Fossey to do it all over again the next day. Wow. And I stuck it out for a while. I did that. And then I ended up doing Oz for 
most of their seasons. So then I, I let go of Broadway and I just, one job led to another, led to another, led to another. I did go back to Broadway sometimes in between, but film kind of took over. And, you know, each job is a relationship that you form with people. So word of mouth is very important in our business. And word of mouth got around and I got more jobs and there it is. I'm in, I was in film <laughs> <laughs> because I did everything. I did theater tours. I toured with having our say. I did tours. I did everything that I could possibly do in this business, film, television, theater. So what are the, some of the tours that you went on? I did one tour having our say. I supervised that tour. And then I did another tour of a Broadway show of a Broadway play, No Place to Be Somebody, mm-hmm. with Antonio Fargus and Philip Michael. Wow. You have worked with everybody. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know your family is deep in the theater, but there has to be a level of integrity that you have to have to get calls to work on a project. What is your philosophy or your core values that ensures that you continue to work? Because like you said, it's about relationship. Like what are your core values? Well, I work very hard and I like to have fun while I'm working. I don't like it to be a miserable experience. Just to be good to people, come in with a positive attitude. I try to stay positive every day. You know, when everybody's down, I want to be the one to pick you up, you know, mm-hmm. and just be happy, have a happy work environment. And you can't go wrong, you know, be pleasant and work hard. I work hard from beginning to end. I take pride. I don't stop. I don't. I just people are paying for a job and I have to make sure that I do that and I do it to the best of my ability. And I want my crew to do the same. I often tell people when you get in the young people, when you get into positions like this, you can never make it about you. You have to make it about the work because as soon as you think it's about you, you lose the work. Exactly. You're right. You lose the work. So I know Mm -hmm. that behind the scenes, a lot of magic that happens. What, and not to tell any of the secrets. What is one of those magic moments that you can share with us that stands out for you? Hmm, When you say magic, what do you mean? (laughs) You know, like something that happens that it wasn't expected, but it shifted something. It shifted the energy. It shifted the moment. Mm. And you knew that there was something else happening that you could not see. Like I hear our mutual friend talk about it all the time that this happened. And we didn't expect it, but it's, it was amazing. Ooh, it happened so many times. It's kind of like hard to pinpoint one of narrow them. it down. Yeah, because I have to say, in this business, it always changes. For me, magic moments are like when we shut the bridge down. You know, we shut a whole New York City bridge down, and it's four o'clock in the morning and the city is ours, you know, Mm -hmm. those are magic moments for me. It happens on the color purple. When I did the color purple, 
I had a magic moment within myself just watching one of the scenes and saying, wow, this is really going to be amazing. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. You know, I have personal magic moments. I'm used to things changing as far as the job. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's for the best and sometimes it's not. But my magic moments are just when I can take pride in what I'm working on and just say, wow, I'm a part of something great here. That's amazing. And speaking of The Color Purple, not only did you work on Broadway with The Color Purple, you're now on the movie (laughs) that we are so excited to see. Oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> Listen. Okay, let me get back to being professional. <laughs> How did it feel when you got that call that you would be working on this movie? I could not believe it. I left my job to do it. I was doing FBI Most Wanted. I was on, the, I think, second or third season. And... I couldn't believe that I got this call. Like, I was so ecstatic. And I was like, I gotta, I have to go. <laughs> I gotta go. Like, and Did you grab your purse I as soon as you hung up the phone? <laughs> I took some deep breaths and was like, is this really happening? Mm. Am I really going to be doing this? And, you know, it's, those are magic moments because so often a job is a job. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, you do something really special. You get something special. And I went to my designer and I said, listen, I, uh, Miss Francine, the designer, actually hired someone so that I could give a proper two weeks notice. So she hired someone to be a filler until I could, so I could give a proper two weeks notice at my job. And I told my designer, I said, I have to go. I just got offered the color purple. (laughs) I'm sure they helped you pack up. Come on, girl, let's go. (laughs) And he was very happy for me and supportive. Everyone got it. Mm -hmm. And I made sure that I replaced myself with a good replacement. And they were, we were kind of towards the end of the season. So the timing was good. Mm -hmm. There was basically, I think, just one more episode left to shoot. So that was a good thing. And like you said, that timing, timing was everything. It was key. How do you keep yourself in that flow, like emotionally, spiritually, in the flow? Because everybody, there are a lot of people that want this job, but you have excelled in a way that is very magical. I mean, you received the call. You didn't go after the job. You know, even when you got into film, it was a conversation that moved on to the next piece, that moved on to the next piece. How do you stay in the flow of that energy? I know that what is what God wants me to have, I will have. I usually don't go after jobs. I pray on what I want. I have that in my mind. And if I don't get a job, I'm not. Some, I mean, I can't say I'm not disappointed. Some jobs I have been disappointed. And I'm not like that now because I know that you get what you're supposed to get and you don't get what you don't not supposed to get. And I just kind of have had a positive attitude about where I'm supposed to be and, and what's coming my way. You know, I've just, I don't, you know, I don't know. I've just, I've just been really blessed and fortunate 
And that's all I can say. You <laughs> <That's> know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like there's no magic formula. There's just belief that mm-mm. this is your journey and you're on your path and you've been on your path for a long time. Some of us are just yeah. getting there. <laughs> some of us are just getting there, raising my hand, but some of us have been on this path for a long time. And it's a beautiful, I mean, listening to your stories, I'm like, if I had hair on my arms, it would be standing up. But um, <laughs> it's beautiful. And to hear the stories of your family, oh my goodness. I feel like you all should have a PBS special about <laughs> you, your mama, and your daddy. <laughs> And your uncle in Harlem. Now, with right. The Color Purple being such an iconic film, iconic book, iconic Broadway play, what was the approach to costumes to make this feel fresh and new? Miss hmm. Francine, who's the designer, she is an amazing designer and she knows the period, mm-hmm. you know? So we looked at the director wanted some things that were kind of iconic from the movie, but we just, I don't, to say new, the newness I think was in the work and the characters were developed like any other character, knowing the period. And, and no, Miss Francine paid attention to who they are, where, where they came from, where they are and where they're going. And through that, she developed these characters through the clothes. It's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see. Have you seen the movie? I have not seen it yet. Mm. Except for, of course, what we have shot. Right. (laughs) And I remember also taking this job was, I was nervous. I was like, this is one of my favorite movies. They Mm -hmm. can't mess this up. I don't want to be a part of you can't mess this up. Like right. you cannot mess up the color part. You cannot. It has to be done a certain way. And uh, let me just say, I don't think they messed it up. <laughs> Listen, when they said Oprah was on the case, I said, oh, she's going to get this right. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's going to get this all. I mean, I trust Steven Spielberg, but I was like, Oprah's going to make sure this is right. <laughs> and you, yeah. and it, it's, you know, the story itself is timeless. And unfortunately, we're still dealing with the themes of that story. So it's important for this generation to see it. And it's important for people to see themselves. Representation is everything. And to see this cast of women doing it who are part of our contemporary conversation is just beautiful to me. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) I just can't wait to see it. Yeah, I mean... It's going to be quite the movie. Like, it's going to be quite the movie. I'm already like, I need to order my tissues from Amazon, have them oh, under yeah. one arm. <laughs> I need to see it twice in one Ooh. day because I'm not going to want to wait till the next year to see it. <laughs> my Merry Christmas yeah. will be at the theater. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you're going to need those Kleenex because, honey. Woo. Yeah. We'll talk about the after effect another time. But you are a movie supervisor. And from what I gathered, from what I watched, you handle the timelines, the budgets, and make sure that everything runs smoothly. How do you manage your self-care and managing all of those responsibilities? (laughs) Sometimes I don't. (laughs) 
Everybody asks me that. And I mean, self-care, I really have to learn how to get self-care in there because I can get caught up and then not be doing well. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's a dance. I mean, but what I do is a dance. If you ever watch and see me, like, I'm running to the truck, I'm going to this, I'm hiring the crew, I'm getting ready for the next day, I'm dealing with the producers, with the budgeting. I'm, it's all a dance. And my self-care, I had to take that seriously so that I can continue to do this dance. So I just try to eat healthy, stay hydrated. I use the job as my gym. I look at it as my gym. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes sense. Well, I can say this. You are dedicated to your craft. I can say that 100%. Just from what I observed, I was like, uh... Is she, is she gonna get out of that chair? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, she, can I, I, I? At one point, I was like, let me just shut off her computer for like five minutes. I mean, you had all the—I don't even know. It looked like another language to me, but you had it all together. And then, not only do you have yeah. to deal with the computer, you have to deal with each person and whatever they're going through. So, managing all of that mm-hmm. is. And then you're a mom. Being a mom helps me with the job because I look at the people that work under me as my family Mm -hmm. and we have to take care of each other and I have to make sure that they're always okay. Mm -hmm. How I did this business and be a mom, I don't know. People ask me all the time. I just did it. I just, I just did it. I don't know how (laughs) I just (laughs) did it. And I gave my kids all that I possibly could, like before work, after work, weekends, like because I felt guilty about working. Mm-hmm. So I put a lot of work into the relationship I have with my children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my daughter is, she's registered with the union and now she's starting to cosplay. Good. So, and my son used to work for me, but he says he can't dedicate um, 16 hours a day. <laughs> you know, these kids ain't built like we are. <laughs> okay. They're like, no. He's into music. So he was, his thing was, there's no time for him to dedicate time to his craft if he's doing films 16 and 18 hours a day. <laughs> So I got it. And I'm glad he did because sometimes the business can suck you up. Mm -hmm. And if you have other dreams and aspirations, you need to do them. Now, as you look back over your career from the standpoint of an observer, you're not just in it because you're still in it. Mm -hmm. Looking back, what do you see? Because you're not just your career, but you're multi-generational in this. When you look Mm -hmm. back, what does that film of Icy look like? Mm -hmm. When I look back, what does that film of Icy look like? Mm-hmm. You asked some really good questions. Well, can you see I'm trying to get you to write a book? I'm just setting it up. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I actually thought about that. <sighs> I have thought about that. I've been many places and seen many things. And the funny thing is, I'm not done. <laughs> so the film of Icy has some crazy moments. 
some love stories, great home life with her children, and a whole bunch of jobs with a whole bunch of stars and personalities. (laughs) (laughs) I know you have a vault of icy. I won't even ask about that. (laughs) Mm -mm. Not going to open that door. But (laughs) speaking of, you know, when we get into our late 40s and our late 50s, we, like you said, you're not done. And this generation of 50-year-olds does not look like the previous generation of 50-year-olds. So if you were to pick a second career, what would that be? Well, you know, I really want to produce. Mm. I want to go out as a producer. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's kind of like the same career, just a different job title. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the difference. You got a Rolodex now. You can call people. Hey, I want to produce a film. What uh-huh. you got? <laughs> but that's what I really would like to do. Mm, I could see you doing that because then you could produce some really great movies because I can imagine the stories that you have collected. I want to tell our stories, our stories as a people, women's stories. I just feel like there should be more of that. Mm-hmm. And the fullness of our stories. We're not just, like people say, we're not a monolith. We have all kinds of stories. (laughs) Exactly. And I want those other stories, not Mm -hmm. the boys in the hood. Not nothing saying anything is wrong with that. But there's so many other stories. Mm -hmm. Real stories of our people. Done great things. Well, we're going to put icy productions in the atmosphere and uh, see what God brings us back. And yes, I'll take the job, whatever it is, I see. Whatever you call and ask me to do, yes. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) So you have lots of stories. You've been all over the world. What inspires you and what brings you joy? Dancing brings me joy. And I used to be a dancer before. I used to be a major ballet dancer. And then one day I just, I was with the New York School of Ballet. And then one day I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. A good book brings me joy. And you know what always brings me joy? A very good meal. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Let me tell you. Okay, so let me be unprofessional for one second. When Icy and I went to dinner in Atlanta, we had the best food. And I don't think we talked (laughs) while the the plates were on the table. Okay. We were passing food back and forth. <laughs> it's like we were it's both in heaven. I don't know about anybody else at the table, but we were in heaven. <laughs> we sure were. There's nothing like it. Like, I don't know. At the end of a work day, it's like, I just love that. Mm-hmm. I had such a great time with you. Like, it was just, and to me, and that's another thing, just connecting with good people, breaking bread with good people. Mm-hmm. Is always a great thing for me. That's so, Kevin. I said, I like her. <laughs> I, I really like her. And I, he's, I met a lot of people with him. I was like, I like her. Like, she's my people. <laughs> uh-huh. We had such a good time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We did. It was magical. And, you know, I try not yeah. to get like, because, you know, this is his job. So I try not to get personal with people. But when it came to you, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm crossing that fourth wall. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Yep. 
Hence He's a lifer. I could never tell you no to an interview. I was so, I'm still so excited, especially when I realize how private you are. I'm really, I really, really do appreciate this. Surprisingly succeeded at being that way. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. In the age of, now we're going into tech AI and virtual reality, like your reality is, I was here. You will see my name on the, right. <laughs> you will see my name on the credits and that's all you're going to see. That's, <laughs> you are literally personified. My work speaks for itself. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, now when they look back until you write your book, they have a bit of your story. And it will yeah. be available for other people to hear. And I hope that it is a just a stepping stone into your next, whatever that's going to be for you. Because Thank you. once this movie comes out, I can't imagine your phone is going to be like on fire. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Do you design as well? Yes. Okay. I have done some designing. I did two, I designed two movies. One was called Blackout. The other one was The Tunes. And I also designed an off-Broadway show. I, when it comes to designing, it has to be, I don't know how to say it. Like, I won't just design anything. The context is very important to me on what it is. So, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I designed. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> have you ever, you're a New Yorker and it is the fashion capital. Have you ever thought about doing your own fashion line or peeking over into that world or is film and television your thing? No, I have thought about that. And I do have an idea that I have not executed yet. So you would see that too coming. Coming soon. I see productions and fashion house. Let's put that out there. Yes. 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 Put it out there. Listen, this has been a joy and I could talk to you forever and I will be talking to you, but I have to ask one last question that I ask everybody. What is your black girl magic superpower? My black girl magic superpower. I feel like the fact that I'm a working single mom. Getting the job done, mm-hmm. what needs to be done in life, not just work, in life, getting it done, doing it. That's my Black girl superpower. That's amazing. Because a lot of people don't complete things. <laughs> so that is a superpower. <laughs> that yeah. is a superpower. Well, I will say this. I normally say, how can people find you? But I'm going to say this about you. Look for her name in the credits. <laughs> When you go to see the color purple, wait to the end. And when it gets to the costume section, she will be up front and center. And you'll be like, that's that lady that was on Black Women Amplified. Yes, that's her. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for her in The Equalizer and some of our favorite films like The Manchurian Candidate, television shows like Nurse Jackie. Her name is everywhere, just like McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I see again, I, I can't say thank you enough. I really appreciate this. And I, I could not have timed this better the day after the strike. I mean, I didn't time it. God timed it because wow, I had no idea. <laughs> but I'm grateful that your industry stood up for themselves. And I'm curious to see how it unfolds. And I pray that everything goes well for you and your people. And I can't wait to see your name across the screen when I go see the color purple. Thank you again. I appreciate it and I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Good night. Good night. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining. Keep shining.